podcast is brought to you by Mobile Arts Programming. All right, I'm Wes. And I'm John. And welcome back to another episode of Bittersweet Stories. This is the podcast where we jump into the lives of different frontline workers in various social service jobs. That's right. We get a little bit of a taste of their experiences and some of the highs and lows that come along with it. And with that being said, we are joined today with... Andrew Bunton. Hi. Yeah, it's great to have you. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, So we have had the privilege of having Andrew as a teacher uh, in the past. So in addition to being a teacher, Andrew also has a slew of um, some experience working on the front lines in social services. So Maybe if you'd like, Andrew, take a moment and uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Thanks, guys. Good to be here. Yeah. Uh, good to be here again. It was fun teaching you. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, so I started working as a child and youth care practitioner. Back in the day, that was called child care worker, and then it was called child and youth worker, and now it's called child and youth care. Yeah. Many iterations. Lots, yeah. Of, lots of titles. Same work. Right. All the different acronyms, right? Yeah. It's an industry full of these different acronyms. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So uh, I kind of fell into the work because I was always interested in, um, uh, through coaching, uh, Wes, I know you do some coaching. Yeah. uh, Through coaching and helping out kids, um, even when I was in high school with uh, helping kids out with reading and after school programs and um, spending time at community centers, mostly through sports, connecting with kids. And of course, you know, you spend time with kids long enough. Mm-hmm. You're not talking so much about this technique or that throwing method. Pretty soon you're talking about it's hard to go home and I'm not doing so well in school and trouble with my girlfriend. And mm-hmm. anyway, somebody noticed that, um, that this is what I was spending my time doing and said, you can earn a living at that, right? right. <laughs> I didn't even know there was a profession called childcare worker. Um, and so started studying at college, and um, that was the uh, title of the podcast is Bittersweet. So it was bittersweet because the first uh, first year went, uh, went really well. Um, I loved it. I loved learning more about what I was already interested in and just getting better at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and then... Um, uh, it, get, it became time to start a, start thinking about second year and planning going forward. And it became kind of apparent that I was in over my head. I was a bit young um, and uh, uh, decided to take some time off. So I took a bunch of years off and continued to work in the field, um, but uh, but stepped back from school for a while. Mm-hmm. What, kind uh, of, what kind of stuff were you doing at this time? Uh, I was uh, working in uh, group homes and I was working in... Um, um, uh, a couple of schools and, right. um, and it was good work and I liked it. Um, it was clear I wasn't going to get anywhere without an education. And, mm-hmm. um, right. uh, and so I kind of caught up with myself and, uh, then, uh, continued studying part time. Um, and then that drifted into university and, and, um, uh, all the while, um, continuing to do the work, but getting more qualified at it. And it was while I was, um, while I was working uh, uh, at finishing the college diploma uh, that I met somebody who was running a foster home um, just on our own um, property, uh, which, you know, with four kids um, in the country. Um, 
and was working with uh, with all with with girls from the city and who needed a break from hard knocks in um, you know um, in the downtown core. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of issues with drugs and prostitution and crime um, and moving them out in the country. And she had horses and she had this image to grow the business. And mm-hmm. so we became friends in school. Um, and um, I was raising a young family at that time and we were looking for a shift ourselves. And so my buddy and I started to talk more and more. And so she brought me on um, and we grew this four bed foster home to a 16 bed treatment center. Right. Wow. wow. And I was there for a long time, um, 16, 17 years. Wow. And um, m- moved out of that uh, um, in that sort of owner operator kind of a, a way of doing things where you're, you know, shoveling snow one minute and you're doing a counseling session the next. Right. And <laughs> yeah, it's, it never stops. Eh? Yeah. Time to hire staff and yeah, meet with the family and uh, admit new kids and do, do it all. Um, and uh, that, that was great. That was, it, was, it was really good, but it was, again, time for a shift. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then the, the teaching gig came up. I had always stayed connected with my college and did some guest speaking and... Um, um, I didn't do any um, formal teaching, um, but would uh, would come in from time to time and and uh, speak in classes or be available to um, take placement students or whatever. So cool. because I was connected, um, there was a reach out around uh, a position that was available and started part time and then parlayed that into a full time gig. And I've been here for 20 years. Wow. wow. There this you go. Almost exactly 20 years this month. Actually. Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. So. So more or less than when you were sort of finishing your schooling, uh, you began this transition to working in this sort of like rural um, residential facility, yeah. um, care care home. Um, and then so pretty much the duration of that brought you to then the beginning of teaching. Is that more or less like after the 16, 17 yeah. years in the residential care, then you just kind of transitioned to teaching? Well, and it was interesting because, you know, when you're when you're running your own show, like I said earlier, you do kind of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that I fell into was a lot of staff training. Okay. Um, and um, and then working in the community and working with agencies to help them either train staff or recruit staff, or um, they might have a specific issue to do with the kids that they needed um, some. Mm-hmm professional development on and so I found myself doing some seminars and some workshops and interesting uh and didn't realize it but that was I was really doing a teacher training at that point yeah um it it occurred to me when the position came available at the college and uh that oh I kind of guess I have been doing this for a while right Um, so um that's where that's where that came from yeah and it's interesting too because that's somewhat the same story from when you were younger and just like as you said like kind of connecting with youth sort of through the medium of like sport and kind of activity and how that ended up making you realize, oh, right, I guess I've kind of already done this. I might as well go to school for it. Yeah. And then following that, you start doing like the teaching and sort of cultivating yeah. that side of things. And then it and then sort of manifests into you becoming an actual uh, full-time teacher. Yeah, absolutely. I kind of have this uh, mental image of a tumbleweed kind of hmm. bumbling right, along right. and going, oh, well, that's a good idea. Let's stay here for a while. Mm-hmm. Oh. The wind's blowing. Let's look over here. Oh, that's great. Let's right. do that now. Right. It's, it's interesting. Like this, this line of work is kind of transient almost, isn't it though, right? Yeah. 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 There's lots of opportunities to do different things. I mean, the thing we tell our students, and I'm sure I talked to you about it mm-hmm. when you were in my class, networking is really, really important. You know, Absolutely. you, you got to meet people, connect with people, reach out, have conversations. 
you got to have the important kind of on-point conversations, but you've also got to just be spending time with people and building a connection. Yeah. And from that, something else, you know, kind of happens. And mm -hmm. um, um, and I've been really, really fortunate that uh, that's something that I like to do. Mm -hmm. Talk to people, listen to people, and then um, and from that comes um, other opportunities. And I've really yeah. enjoyed following it over the years. That's great. And so, uh, as you know as well, this is uh, we kind of talk about the highs and lows. So I would imagine just from hearing you talk that that must have been a pretty trying experience to sort of as you say like shovel a driveway and mm -hmm. then have to go in and have a counseling session and then sometime later that day potentially have to you know train someone who would be working there and kind of rinse and repeat and do that all over again like mm. was that did that feel kind of overwhelming at times or well it's uh, i think at the time no it's um i think there's a cumulative effect you know where right. um after 16 years it was uh uh, it was time to make a change, and I think it was, I don't know if I was burned out, but I think I was certainly uh, overwhelmed with um, with things um, coming at me in in, a, in kind of an all-at-once all kind of way. Yeah. Um, but at the time when you're in the middle of it, uh, certainly when I was in the middle of that, I was loving it. It was, uh, I loved working with new staff. I loved working with mature senior staff. Uh, I loved going out in the community. We... You know, we were running this 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 uh, little foster home, and we had these these adolescent teenage girls, and and then pretty soon the children's aid societies that were sending mm -hmm. us kids, you know, they stopped sending us um, uh, kids. They were getting the kids were getting younger that mm -hmm. were coming into care, and so the director and I we went on the road and we went to pretty much every um, child welfare agency in southern Ontario, and said if you could build a program. Um, and it was in the country and it's residential and it was going to be long term. What, <coughs> what would the population be? Like, what would you, what would you want it to be? And they said, well, we want it to be for, um, you know, we didn't have the, uh, the term trauma informed approach at the right, time, right. but we would have it, uh, be for kids who are, um, abuse survivors. It would be younger kids. It, there would be, uh, um, a recreation component, there would be a counseling component, there would be um, a family element to it, there would be a reintegration. So we just listened to people and said, okay, we'll do that. Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll build the program. And so as we discharged a kid who'd been with us for five years who was 18, we would admit a kid who was 14. Right. And, and, and then when it was the next time, we would admit a kid that was younger. And pretty soon our kids were were preteens mm. and 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 uh, quite a bit younger at that um, at times so we sort of that was very exciting that was very exciting to yeah. develop a program and that's what you can do when you're a private operator mm -hmm. you know you can decide what you want and so we didn't decide but we got help deciding um, mm -hmm. with the people who would be um who would be dealing directly with kids in need and you had the flexibility then to, to like give those services, right? Yeah. Absolutely. We just reinvented ourselves. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. um, and at that point the kids became more and more needy. They were, um, uh, in terms of, you know, psychological, emotional, behavioral issues. Um, and a large component of the program was we had a bunch of horses and these adolescent girls were dealing with, with maintaining, 
um, uh, horses and they were learning to ride and uh, the farm aspect was a big part of their treatment. Right. Yeah. As the kids got younger and more and more needy, uh, it became too much. And so the horses went and the, mm -hmm. we had a beautiful farm setting, but it was more a space than it was a farm. Um, and it was about creating a safe space for those for those kids. And uh, so again, we just reinvented that aspect of the right. of, of the program, and that was incredibly exciting to be able to do that and and to fill a niche. Uh, and then um, yeah, it's, it just got to, to be a, 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 at a point where um, the program was shifting. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when you're a private operator, you need to think about. The political climate, the right. funding, yeah. um, all those kinds of things, and um, there was a, it was time to make a shift. So, yeah. um, I actually tried my hand at supply teaching for a while, uh, just like in a school board, or yeah, yeah, yeah just in my local community. Um, I left the position at the at the treatment center and uh, put my name in. And I figured, you know, the phone would be ringing off the hook. Yeah, um, and the, I, there was one or two rings, and then. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I started doing a little bit of supply teaching and really liked that. Um, um, uh, yeah, funny story. So I got a call one night. Usually the calls come at, you know, six o'clock in the morning. You know, right. do you want to do this gig? Let's go. Mm -hmm. um, so I got a call the night before and uh, I thought, oh, good. That's just like it. Like it's a plan. And they said, well, you know, would you be interested in taking a kindergarten class um, tomorrow morning? And I said, absolutely. Let's go. What do you what's the theme and what's the. So we talked a bit about it and they said, oh, we didn't think you'd want to do it. You know, <laughs> most guys don't want to do yeah. kindergarten classes. Sure. And I yeah. said, are you kidding me? That's going to be fantastic. So I developed some plans. Uh, my, my partner's an art therapist. The two of us sat down and we, we got a whole um, lesson plan together for mm -hmm. um, for the morning. And um, I wore clothes that were conducive to sitting on the floor and <laughs> yeah. kind of bright red suspenders and whatever. And uh, it was great. I was looking forward to it. And then I got to school the next morning and the principal said, you know, we thought about it and it's just kind of weird, a guy teaching high school, teaching mm. uh, kindergarten. So uh, we put you in a grade eight French class. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I don't speak French. Yeah. Right. Um, and the uh, sitting on the floor clothes and the bright red suspenders were very hilarious right to the uh to the grade eight students so there you go that's what happened and, <laughs> and, and i really liked that opportunity too for those few years when i did that and right then, and then the then the college gig came up so well kudos to you because it seems like a reoccurring theme here is that like uh circumstances have been thrown in your direction and you have uh <laughs> yeah. you've responded correctly so yeah kudos to you yeah yeah it, it's, it's cool that you kind of found your way in into teaching now um Maybe just talk a bit about the relationship between kind of theoretical work and practical work. You know, you were in the field mm -hmm. for so long, you had so much experience working with people one on one, and now you kind of see the other side of the coin. Um, yeah. And 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 you know, both are important in kind of shaping a, a child and youth worker. Um, and maybe kind of speak to that a bit. Sure, sure. Well, yeah, I guess the stock and trade now is in terms of teaching is being able to bring a theoretical perspective, but I can't not do that. Um, in any way other than being relational and of course yeah. and, and building connections and mm -hmm. I think that's really important and and telling stories and not, not that it's you know come to my class and sit with Uncle Andrew you know it's <laughs> not <like laughs> that. Uh, but I think that uh, I think I want to teach a lesson in a way that's um, maybe going to enlighten but it's but that's also going to intrigue and and I'm, and I'm then I want to find a way to connect with people and and some people need 
they they need to know more about the theory and they want to dig deep into that and and I'll build that into the lesson and mm-hmm. other people want to know well what's it like and mm-hmm. so so I want to show people what it's like and 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 maybe tell a story about that or maybe um ask them what their story is and and how they can relate to to the particular theoretical perspective so I guess what I see now as uh, my role is um dealing with people that are on fire about about helping um, and th- they need a credential and, and, and they need to sort of backfill their, um, uh, their passion with, mm-hmm. with some theoretical, as you say, Wes, mm-hmm. some theoretical perspective. Um, but they're going to go out there and work with, with people. So I just want to kind of offload what I know, um, mm-hmm. in, in, in a helpful way so that they can go out there and, and, and be that, you know, we talk about being an agent of change and yeah. we really want to. Um, I really want to provide an opportunity for people to learn what they need to learn so they can go out there and be, and be helpful. And, and that sort of by extension, I sort of see that I'm helping people um, help the kids that I was helping mm-hmm. you know, uh, more directly. So right. That's interesting. It's very much like a marriage. I think that your approach is, is a good one in that like it's never one or the other. It's obviously the marriage of the two. Like, and yeah. so where overwhelmingly I feel like experiences are no matter the field, like the best teacher, it is also excellent to have those experiences and sort of be able to like include some of the more theoretical things where you're like in a situation like this, here's where this might be helpful learning some more of like a theoretical. I know I personally found mm-hmm. that from, you know, being a student of yours and, and others here, like um, just like hearing the stories, real life stories were actually probably the most informative but i think that what really helped was like it it was again that idea of it was the marriage of the theoretical Mm -hmm. and the real life experience and Mm -hmm. then you kind of go oh right that's where it makes sense that's why we're learning about this because it actually has this application uh, yeah and that's that's what that theoretical knowledge does right like it, it equips you with a tool belt to be able to then use in the field it's not like you know a cookie cutter model where something works with every single you know uh youth that you're going to interact with right um, it's just kind of having all that knowledge behind you to to utilize, you know, kind of when you need it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so, and I, I'm curious to know, not to sort of tread on anything like negative, but in, in, in your experiences, whether it's from teaching or with the residential mm-hmm. care, like were there sort of um, like sort of downsides or negatives or things you wish you might have been able to have changed that you were not otherwise able to or anything yeah. that comes to mind? Well, it's, uh, yeah. Highs and lows. So yeah, right. Exactly. Lots of lots of uh, lots of both in in uh, in in the years. Um, you know, the first thing I thought of um, was working in the the group home, and we had a we had a kid that um, uh, tried to commit suicide by um, inhaling gas. Okay. Um, and um, you know that led to some changes in the way that we you know, kind of did things around mm-hmm. gassing up vehicles on the farm and what right, have you. Right. Um, so there was that initial impact of dealing with that kid that was so depressed that she tried to take her own life. Um, and also in retrospect, you know, she was an indigenous kid. Um, mm-hmm. And back in the day, I'm not sure we were really servicing those kids in the best way. Right. And now we spend a lot of time trying to think about decolonizing curriculum and, mm-hmm. and trying to, um, you know, talk about hearing the story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the TRC has really opened up our eyes into into the residential school stories and, sure. and how that impact was. So there was that, there was the impact on that kid and certainly the care that that kid needed. 
Um, the thing that really opened my eyes, though, was that every kid in the house became at risk because, right. you know, they had all dealt with different, uh, different issues um, and uh, maybe had been depressed at different times in their lives and maybe had even thought about mm-hmm. how they might hurt themselves or, or end their lives. Uh, but this kid actually tried it. So they all right. became, you know, instantly at risk, an entire group home of, you know, 16 kids. Right. And, a, you know, 30 staff, you know, we're all kind of dealing with mm-hmm. um, with the possibility that any kid at any time could, you know, do something to uh, at least hurt themselves, if not um, die. And yeah. uh, it became it became very real very quickly. And I learned a lot about um, about that kind of critical crisis trauma related um, care um, uh, then. Um, but that, those were dark days. Right. Those were yeah. really those were really dark days. And that kid left the group home for a while um, and was hospitalized, but mm-hmm. then came back and mm-hmm. um, um, you know kind of continued with her with her, with her care. And that was that was the good news story. Right. That's great. Um, and I learned a ton, uh, mm-hmm. you right. know, from it. So right. And it's interesting again where like that theme of the the marriage of theoretical and real life experience, where you know for those youth that were there, they may have heard about or thought about suicide but then actually being in in an experience where that was something that they encountered it's like Mm -hmm. whoa this is actually like a real thing and i think probably for you as well Mm -hmm. from the like from running the the residence that like also for you to be like okay wow this is this is a big deal that now we're forced to to contend with and like thinking about all of the sort of repercussions from that that one single action and just thinking about everything like pretty differently like that would Mm -hmm. be that probably make you shake in your boots yeah, Quite that was a, that was a game changer. Yeah, you know, that was a, yeah. that was a dark day. I, I learned a lot, um, um, and uh, hopefully you've used it over the years. And um, that's a story I tell in class. I may have said it to you, <laughs> to you fellas in class. Um, but it's it's definitely a reality check that I think that's really important. And that's kind of what I want to talk about when I'm in class. So yeah, we, we right. talk talk about. Um, you know, different counseling uh, techniques and methods and, and, uh, skills, uh, development. Um, but it's gotta be real. And so there's, I think the stories of the good times and the yeah. and hard times are important. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, you know, sort of negative situations and, and negativity in this field, but there's also a lot of hope and optimism and, and kind of positivity. So maybe, um, we've got a couple minutes left, uh, maybe just kind of leave us with, with a couple of the highlights that you've seen, you know, as a teacher and as an educator over the last 20 years. Yeah. Well, okay. A couple of minutes, uh, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> You're on the clock. Okay. Yeah, you 20 years of experience down to three minutes, please. Okay, yeah. good. All right, go. <laughs> I would have to say that, um, so it's April right now. So, um, it's end of, end of the school term. Mm-hmm. So, um, loads of students are graduating and that's a, a tremendous boost and highlight for, for me and for all of the team that I get the privilege of teaching with. Seeing people graduate, seeing people move on either to more education or out into the field, of, you know, doing work. You know, some people like you guys go out and make your own businesses and that's mm. just beyond awesome. And, and so those successes are our successes and, mm. and, and we kind of... I kind of live a little vicariously through those successes. I love it. You know, when you guys send me an email or we chat on the phone or whatever, and, and you know that there are other, other students that I keep in touch with that have already graduated, and I just love that. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a major highlight. And in recent years, the 
college has expanded into some um, international um, field placement stuff, and I've gotten a, a chance for several years to go to India right. mm-hmm. and work in um, in some of the slum centers with uh, with kids in New Delhi, um, with an NGO there, and and I've gotten uh, an opportunity to really connect with those staff that are running the NGO and with many of the kids. Um, and through the wonders of social media, stay connected with them. Yeah. Um, I had a kid one day call me up and said that he'd uh, traveled to his village and wanted to show me his mangoes. Hmm. And wow. he had hardly any English, but through WhatsApp, he was uh, videoing me and running all around his little village, showing me his mangoes. And um, this is a kid who's lived on the street and lived a really, really hard life, but is turning himself around and wanted to share that with me. So that's amazing. Again, tremendous highlight. Yeah. yeah. Well, Andrew, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's so great to see you again, and, and uh, thank you for being so candid and having a nice conversation with us. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Thank All you right. very much. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Yeah, right. and uh, thanks for listening, and stay tuned uh, for the next episode. That's right, yeah. Mobile Arts Programming, or MAP for short, brings the recording experience to you. If your agency or organization is interested in exploring the positive outcomes of writing and recording music, please visit our website at mobilearttsprogramming.com.